Did we overrate Evil Geniuses? Starting to struggle as the season goes on. We only got one more week left. 100 Thieves, also not looking like it's a for sure thing to make playoffs. They're in a pretty good spot, but also struggling. Then there's Biofrost rumors. Rumors that were put to bed by the GM, but we'll discuss because that is a very weird rumor. And FlyQuest, we're still talking about them on the outside looking in. Playoffs is a stretch for them. And we'll get into all of that in episode 133 of the Clown Fiesta podcast with Blue Jay and JNT250. Jinter, we got to start with this FlyQuest stuff again. They're sitting at the bottom, and so is Immortals. Also, sitting tied with FlyQuest, I guess just as likely to make playoffs as FlyQuest? Question mark? Yeah, I mean, on the surface, they are both 4-11 and 11 now. Both are two wins behind the six-win teams of Dignitas and 100 Thieves, but you take a bit of a closer look at it, and Immortals, they own... A 2-0 record over the likes of Dignitas and are tied 1-1. So I know the whole situation is, is FlyQuest making playoffs? We've sort of been talking about that for the last couple weeks, but Immortals has quietly put themselves into the picture with three games to go. Yeah, FlyQuest fans, plug your ears for just five seconds. I gotta say, I think it's more likely that Immortals makes playoffs than FlyQuest. Which, by the way, I don't think either team's making playoffs, but that is stupid. That is so crazy. I mean, the problem for FlyQuest is they must go 3-0 in order to make playoffs. The only way that they can make playoffs because of their lackluster head-to-head records against Immortals and, sorry, against uh, 100 Thieves and Dignitas is they must go 3-0 and both Dignitas and 100 Thieves have to go 0-3 and that is a very unlikely situation. Yeah, and, and I'm pretty sure FlyQuest has to play Cloud9, right? Uh, I believe so, yes. That is not I mean, good. we're ignoring that the teams they have to face because a 3-0 for FlyQuest and Immortals is both very unlikely, but the fact that FlyQuest has to 3-0, regardless of the teams that they have to play, based on what we've seen this season, a 3-0 is very unlikely. It did happen in week number four, but that seems to be a bit of a a bit of a, an outlier in the rest of the FlyQuest performances this split. <sighs> yes. It very much is. I don't even know where should we start with talking about FlyQuest because I feel like a lot of I the mean, problems are the same. Maybe we could start with the Vikla thing. Yeah, it was announced, I guess, I think it was announced only the day before the first match of the week that FlyQuest was going to be fielding, fielding Spyrax over Vikla, which I don't think came to much of a surprise to everybody considering, number one, we, we even talked about this in our last episode, that FlyQuest still is a Challenger League team. Number two, that Challenger League team is actually doing very well. And one of the main carries of that team is Spyrex. You know, Spyrex and Masu are like two of the best NACL players this year. So not surprising at all to see him come into the mid lane for their first game of the weekend. But the following day, very surprising announcement from the ownership of FlyQuest and Papa Smithy and whatnot that Vikla was coming back in and that they claimed that they had planned this all along. And, like, you go back and you listen to the video, and they do say, like, we're putting him in for the match against NRG. But I think Azale said this on Twitter. He was like, if it was just for one game, wouldn't you have just said that in the announcement? Like, hey, this is the plan, is to put Spyrox in just for this one game and then go back to... Like, if that was the plan, you would say that, wouldn't you? Yep. So it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Now, with that said, they did win. Does that... 
are they like is that a get out of jail free card or not really? Well, they didn't win the game with Spyrax in. They won it with Vicline, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. That's why it's like when they made the swap back. Oh, like... well, I guess it got them plus one win. So in that sense, sure it worked. Yeah. It still looks really bad on the team. It's pretty embarrassing. Not to mention the fact that they just don't really win games. That's also pretty embarrassing. They have four wins on the split. Uh, also quite embarrassing. When I look at this team, I actually do think, I know it's like cliche to say, but I actually think it's all like mental mistakes. I think they are so afraid to commit to a play. I uh, What team were they playing against? They call Baron and they end up throwing can't remember who it was against. Anyways, the, the enemy said Juani needs to go back to base. They clearly chunked at us. They're like, hey, guys, their jungle's down. Let's start Baron. And they start hitting Baron. And then as soon as the other team starts to even engage just a little bit, they all back off and start to run away. And it's like, why even make the call if you're just going to run away once the other team hits Orn R? Like, that's, of course, what, do you, what did you think they were going to do? So, like, I feel like they're too afraid to commit to any of their calls. Um, I don't think it's a skill issue. I know everyone says that, but I think people are right when they say it's not a skill issue. Like, you, I, I can't imagine that all of a sudden Prince forgot how to play ADC. It has to be all mental to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I do... Uh, I don't think I necessarily buy in 100% to the notion that it's all mental. I mean, part of it is for sure, and I'm not ignoring that, but there is a pretty clear drop in performance individually from a lot of these different players. And I think a lot of it just simply starts with lane. And a lot of that still has to do with Vicla and Prince. I'm not going to continue to talk about this because they've been struggling for the majority of split in the laning phase. And that's not really changed, but I think a lot of it seems to be that the problems that they still have are, are still there and they have not been fixed. And while I probably some of that has to relate to, you know, the mentality of the team and whatnot and them not willing to maybe pull the trigger because of fear of messing up or it's like, oh, no, we're going to lose another game. Like that's that's one game, you know, further that we're down. So I, I think that part of it is, but part of it is also that and I would understand the same argument if you were to say the mistakes are happening because of this. It's hard to really, you know, say one way or the other without getting the inner workings of the team. but. The mental aspect definitely plays into it. That's part of it. But still, individually, the team is performing much worse than it did in Spring Split. I think all across the board. I think some players are at more fault than others. But it just sucks all around, I think, for FlyQuest. Because this was one of the teams that everybody thought was going to be the best in the league. And they are probably not going to make playoffs at this rate. Yeah. I, I'm definitely in the camp that they're not. I give them, I don't know, maybe 5%. That might be generous. Less than that, yeah. Something. Yeah. 5% is actually pretty generous when you really think about it. I think they're doomed. And, man, FlyQuest fans, I mean, I don't know how you cope. <laughs> Shout out to Buster. I know he's coping in our Discord. He's, uh, some FlyQuest fans haven't given up hope, but, like, I don't. I just don't see it happening. Started, You know, I started wondering about FlyQuest this weekend when I was watching the games. I started wondering what stage of, like, grief FlyQuest fans are in, you know? You know, I don't know all the five stages, but I know one of them's denial, and I feel like that's where FlyQuest fans are at right now. I think they've been in denial for the majority of this split. I think after, basically in week two, when they were 0-6-ing it up, I think that's when it all kicked in. There's, there's like, denial, uh, acceptance is the last one, and then somewhere in there there's anger, 
Anger's coming soon. There's going to be some anger soon. FlyQuest, just wait one week and the FlyQuest fans will be at the anger stage. Well, I feel like, um, the, I feel like the anger will set in as they're probably watching this week. True. And then, because, yes. so they you won't know, even have to wait a week then. Yeah, because you, you, you yeah. we could be in the first game, and if FlyQuest is down 2,000 gold in the early game, I feel like it's all going to start kicking off. Like, Yeah. And hopefully, and here's here's what I got to say about, because, you know, we've talked a little bit about FlyQuest now, maybe some of their hesitancy to pull the trigger with these plays, and they're obviously, like, you know, the mental game is playing some, you know, part of this, but hopefully they can just recognize in the last week they have legitimately nothing to lose at this point. You have to go 3-0. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You must go 3-0. And you're yep. going to need some help to do it as well. So with the ball not necessarily in their court, from FlyQuest, I feel like I just want to see them go all out this week. Like They just need to go balls to the walls and try to play like a winning team and not play as reserved as they have been. And if that means that they do make mistakes, I, I, I'm totally fine with that. I would much rather see this team go out swinging than roll over and die like the majority of LCS teams end up doing. And it's pretty common to hear from teams that like things change once there's less pressure. We've heard of that before. I don't know if that's a common or like that if that happens all the time, but we have heard players say like, oh, because we were already out, we knew that like there wasn't really that much pressure anymore to perform. Obviously, there was tons of pressure coming into the split because they were expected to be a really good team and they weren't picking up wins. So I think you're kind of right. And maybe you do see a much more laxed uh, fly quest and maybe they do pick up some wins this week. Although, again, like you mentioned, they need the 3-0, or I'm pretty sure they need the 3-0. Yeah. They need uh, the 3-0, and they need one of 100 Thieves or Dignitas to go 0-3, and only one of them because those two teams play each other. So, Okay. And they, they need the... a lot of things to go their way. And they need and Immortals on... to not catch up, because, you know, Immortals well, that, is... That's where I was going to go next, was Immortals, on the flip side, their chances mostly just as slim but a little bit less slim of making playoffs because they have the the better head-to-heads right against dig and 100 the teams that they're chasing yeah so they have a they have a chance to tie break for those teams in in a world where they end up with the same number of wins and we're mm-hmm. sitting at a tie for eighth place immortals is sitting at a one-to-one head-to-head with the teams that are just above them whereas in FlyQuest's case they're zero two against the teams above them yeah, and I'm just looking at who Immortals has to play. EG, who's been slumping, FlyQuest, which, I mean, duh, and, and NRG, who has somehow been winning a lot of games. Yeah. So, but I mean... Not, it, not it, impossible for IMT, honestly. Yeah, I mean, the Thursday matchup between these two teams is basically going to be the decider of, of the two teams remaining. If there's still a chance, who's going to be that team that still has the chance? So... You know, it, it's a bit of a similar situation for Immortals where they don't necessarily have to go 3-0, but a 3-0 would most likely probably get them in at the very least a tiebreaker. Um, but, you know, they're going to need some help as well. Yeah. And I, I will say Immortals actually didn't look that bad this weekend. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, uh, I'm not getting hyped for Immortals to go on a run here. But clearly they had lost 10 in a row or whatever before and coming into this week when they put up a fight against golden guardians like okay not bad they picked up a win against someone who did they who did they beat they beat 100 t and uh, dignitas dig i should have known because dig can't ever dig is now 0 and 4 against immortals on the year guys dig did not beat immortals once this year that's a that's a crazy stat right there yep Solo was solo killing Rich. We'll talk about Rich's performance in a little bit in that particular game. Tactical actually had some nice plays. He had some int ones as well, but some nice ones. Uh, Treats on the rel had some really nice engages. 
So Balulu, wacky bad. champions once again. Yeah, Balulu with the wacky champions. I mean, I true. I only want to see this guy on non-meta champions. Like, please never again will I see this guy playing Ari or Annie. I want this guy on Belkaz. I want him on Nico. I want him on Ziggs. I want him on Vagar. I want him on Zoe. Any of the true, above that's not Ari and or Annie. We said that a couple weeks ago, and then we got the Zoe and Velkaz, and they lost both of those games. I mean, bad, I'd so. still rather see that than go more Ari and Annie. Yeah, me too, actually. Me too. Even okay, though I so, think Ari is completely broken, you should still be picking that champion, but it's clear that that playstyle doesn't work for them. Okay, so let's wrap this up with a final percentage. I was saying 5% for FlyQuest, but obviously not. I'll give FlyQuest a 1% chance. And I'll give Immortals a 2% chance yeah. I mean, of making playoffs. If anything, Immortals has that 5% just purely because of the head-to-heads that they have against others. But FlyQuest is, we're at 1% to less than 1%. And Fly, Immortals, they can take a nice 3% from me. And the last thing I'll say is, like, it, I know it might not feel like a big difference, but going 9th versus going 10th is a big difference. Like, like it's already embarrassing, but to be at the very bottom is super embarrassing, especially if it's FlyQuest. Like, I feel like TSM last year, they saved themselves a little bit because by the end of the split, they did manage to finish in 9th place because the Immortals both had 4 wins, but TSM had beat them 2 times. So they weren't, like, right there at the bottom, but going, like, when it says the number 10 by your standings on the Wikipedia after, and it's going to stay like that, that that's going to feel very bad. Especially if your your name is Vulcan or Spica or, or Prince, Prince or Impact. Or Impact. When, when <laughs> no, is, just... Has Impact ever, I'm trying to think, has Impact ever not made playoffs on a team? I, I'm pretty sure he's made playoffs since his existence in the LCS. Probably, but I don't think it was always top eight. I mean, still, I... I, okay, in the same notion, I don't think I can ever think of a team that had impact on it that was below sixth place. Who was the top laner for TL when they went ninth at one split? Good question. Maybe it was impact. <laughs> was it impact? <laughs> um, uh, wasn't it? Because Alfari came in season 11, so yeah, it was impact. So there you go. You got oh, me. Okay. I'm, uh, normally the, I'm normally the historian here. Blue Jay hit, it. Blue Jay hit me with it this time. Yeah. Um, that, that sounds we, right, though. Yeah. Be, uh, before we move on, just want to remind people to hit the like button, subscribe, and all of that stuff. Guys, it helps us a lot. And by the way, it's, this, it's the easiest way to support us. Um, just do that stuff for us. It clearly helps a lot. Shout out to all the people that have been doing that. It has been boosting our numbers. It has been helping recommend our channel to new viewers. And so we're very happy to have you all. And if you guys want to join us for the live show, you could do that at twitch.tv slash podcast. Remember to go follow us on there, and we go live on Sundays at 7 p.m. Uh, East and 4 p.m. West, uh, if you guys want to catch the live show. Now, uh, now we got to talk about the other teams that are just barely in playoffs at the moment. we got Dignitas and 100 Thieves, both of them looking pure garbage at the moment. Which team is a little bit more pure garbage, JNT50? It's truly hard to tell, because mm-hmm. for the first you know, basically the first three weeks of the season, I was anti-Dignitas. I, I, was, I was the guy shouting from the Raptors that, hey, this team has, you know, X number of wins, but guess what? They're still the worst team in the league. And then I backed off on that for about two weeks' time. And I was like, okay, Jensen's playing better. Maybe this is Jensen 2.0, some better champion pool stuff going on. And then Santorin, he figured out how to play the early game again, but... You're back? Well, I don't know if I'm back, but we're back in a bit of a different way. Like, Rich 
Rich had a bad week this week and, you know, they made a change in the bot lane. Didn't necessarily help out. I think the same problems are still there. I, I think I am I'm starting to align with you that Tomo may be a part of the problem. I'm still not ready to say that he's all of the problem because I still think that Dignitas is not at a good support and they need to find a good support. Dude, I, I never said he's all of the problem. I just said he's absolutely part. Like, their bot lane sucks. Their bot lane is just cheeks, man. Like, they die in lane every game. Like, every game. And don't don't quote me. I have not actually gone and looked, hey, did they die this game? Hey, did they die this game? Like, I haven't, admittedly. But I swear to God, if I, it feels like every time I'm watching a Dignitas game, I'm like, their bot lane's going to die. Well, and that, is, that was the same as spring right like that, i was gonna say that was the problem with dignitas and spring split you kind of just went into games with the expectation that okay bot lane's gonna underperform and they're gonna die and bot lane's gonna get behind and it's kind of what's been happening for the last two weeks now they made the swap for poom instead of diamond it didn't really change much honestly poom did have maybe one or two nice rel engages this weekend so maybe it was a little bit better, but it doesn't matter. When you're just hard losing in bot lane, it doesn't, like, what's the difference? Like, you're still going to lose the game. He then um, also kind of ran it on Braum in one he? of their other games. I mean, he was like 10 or something, but he had oh, 10 deaths damn. or something. I, I did. The, I, I missed that. He was, yeah, I, nine I, mean, I deaths. probably saw that, but I probably yeah. wanted to block it out of my, you know. Uh, I, but okay, back to what you were saying about like Santorin and Jensen. I actually think they're having pretty decent splits now. You were totally right that at the start of the split, they were kind of just bad. I, I think they've actually looked pretty good lately. Oh, that, the that's... two of them have been working good together. So I do agree with you when you say that. That's what I'm saying is the problems like Dignitas, they now have new problems. And the problems were the players who were previously performing. And now, it, now I don't even know what to think. Like I was so ready to lock in Rich, number one LCS All Pro. And I was like, I was going to be okay. Easiest. That's the easiest all pro selection thing I've ever seen in my life. But he made a good case to not do that this past week. He kind of ran it in two games. Going 0-9 and 3 or 4. What was it? Oh, he was 0-9 and something. And his gangplank uh, game was pretty awful as well. But he went 0-9 against Immortals. I, I know. I mean, he was dying solo to solo. No offense to solo, but not exactly having the greatest split. Um, which, hey, you know, good for him, you know, that he's solo killing rich who was an mvp candidate and an all pro candidate so good for him but he obviously has been struggling quite a bit this split and so i guess it was nice to see him pop off it's just it's a really bad look for rich on the other side you know yeah on the flip side um who the hell does dig play this week coming up they play oh 100 thieves oh wait so one of those teams is going to get a win yeah that's why i mean that's kind of when i was talking about the immortals fly quest like Hopefully, one, for, hopefully for those two teams down there, that one of those teams will go 0-3 because they do play each other. So yeah, they can't, so both, they plays, can't both go 0-3, but one they of them They play 100, has... 100, then Golden Guardians, and then uh, Team Liquid. Kind of a difficult so week, actually. They got to pick up that first win, I think, which I honestly don't know if they will or not. I don't know if I can put any faith in that bad of a bot lane, but... It's 0 3 with that said. With that said, on the flip side, 100 Thieves just lost to a bad bot lane this week going up against Immortals. But it's fact, okay. Double if, that a, on. double if that a tummy ache. So. Yeah, he did have a tummy ache. I got his tweet here somewhere. Let me find Doublelift's tweet. He said, sorry, guys, I completely ran it down today. I've been feeling very nauseous and dizzy since last night, and I was about to throw up during our match versus IMT. Now, I'm not trying to make light of him not feeling well. That 
sucks. It's the next but line after that, coming after. Yeah, after that, it goes, it's definitely not an excuse. It's like, okay, well, if it's not an excuse, what is that? <laughs> like, it definitely sounds like an excuse. Maybe someone had a little too much Subway before the game. They got a little bit too much. They got extra Chipotle on their sub. And Doublelift had a tummy ache. I don't know. Uh, anyway, it sucks when you have to play sick. But, like, I was sitting there going, hmm, not an excuse, you say. Seems a lot like an excuse. The only thing that I think it can be maybe a little bit more acceptable than, you know, other situations. And this is only, I'm only assuming here. So don't, don't hold me to this, but double lift is like the shot caller of that team. And definitely if you're feeling sick, like it could be like a pretty big deterrent to just not want to do that. Or you just feel so bad where it's difficult to do that. So I do think in a situation where you are like the vocal leader of the team, again, I'm kind of assuming here just based on their, Yerkson no longer being there and their solo owners now not being English is not their primary language. So I'm assuming a lot of the heavy lifting is left to closer and double lift. And in a situation where he's feeling like complete dog shit, it, it could be understandable. But once again, I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of an excuse, but uh, it's just funny. That's all it is. Yeah. It's not like, Oh, how dare you say that? And blah, blah, blah. It's just like a, it's an XD. It's a funny tweet. I also wonder how much it had to do with him playing against tactical because he's been pretty damn vocal about what he thinks of tactical, especially when he was doing the co-streaming back in the day. The, the most flamed player from double lift was probably tactical. And so it's actually kind of nice to see tactical pick up the, uh, the win by just hard stomping and treats too, actually treats also used to play with double lift ended up getting benched kind of, I think. Uh, it was a weird split that split but anyways it's probably it probably feels really good for tactical and treats to not only smash double lift but pick up the win right yeah i don't know it's hard because i'm trying to remember like i don't think he i don't know if i'd call him bench because he was the sub originally then got brought in but then got swapped back out yeah so yeah he got he still got... a former lane partner though yeah uh, okay, but we definitely think 100 Thieves has a better chance than Dig, question mark? I think they do, and it's hard they to say. They took a cause... lot of problems, though, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I I feel like I say this every single week, where I, I've been trying to remain somewhat faithful that 100 Thieves is going to figure things out, but they continue to really stray away from the jungle meta, which is really confusing to me. Uh, Jungle seems to be like the most obvious sort of meta in terms of the role right now. Like jungle, you need to be playing a tank engaged champion on the pro level, unless you're playing a sort of kindred style comp where you're aiming for the primary carry to be the jungler. And there's a couple these, exceptions, right? Th there's a couple exceptions, but for the most part, what you're doing in jungle right now is you're picking some form of engage. You're either seeing Maokai, you're seeing a lot of Rel, you're seeing a lot of Sejuani, you even throw some, there's been a few Nocturne picks Poppy? that have been popping up. Yeah, Poppy as well can sort of go in. We've seen some Nocturne pop up in the last two weeks. I think there's been like four or five Nocturne games in the LCS. But 100 Thieves just continue to do the complete opposite of that, where they're playing almost no early game objective setup. And it is really hampering their early game in almost every single time. Like they so often or not are losing or are having to give first Dragon and first Herald. And it just puts them on the back foot so much and requires the rest of the laners to do much more of the heavy lifting. I just think that 100 Thieves, 
we kind of clowned on them a little bit in spring split for being like, oh, this is a team that can really only play one style right now. But guess what? The one style that they were playing was suited to the meta, and that was resulting in them getting a lot of wins. And it feels like now they've sort of flip-flopped where they're playing this sort of style that is so anti the meta, but it's also not getting them wins because it's not the style you should be playing. And I don't know. It, it, it just feels, it feels, it's really puzzling to me that 100 Thieves continue to roll out the same jungle play style week in after week, week in and week out and not changing anything. And because the results aren't changing. I will say, I know they lost with it. I liked closer on the lease in. He actually made some nice plays. They were also playing against cloud nine. So I'm not really surprised that they lost that game. I like, I know Azale says it all the time on broadcast, and he's always giving credit to Peter Dunn, who says that uh, Lee Sin scales with with skill. Like, the, if you're a good Lee Sin, like Lee Sin scales like great. And if you're not good, it. I, I totally agree. I remember him talking about that on the cast. And I do think that Lee Sin is one of Closer's better champions, and he did make some really nice plays. They were a couple of times just barely short on damage um, to pick up some of the uh, to get some of the picks that he was going for. So that was a little bit unlucky, but mostly people are looking at closer as the problem with this team. And while I could definitely see why, I could feel like that conversation would change if you get him more Lee Sin games. Now, you might say, well, how good is a jungler if you have to give him a specific pick all the time? And that is totally a fair criticism. But you could also say, is a player being set up for success if you're putting him on stuff that he's not good at, right? So there's two ways of looking at the argument there. One is, you know, more negative and one is more positive. Regardless, I think you should have him on something that he's more comfortable with. And I think you'll you'll see a lot more better results, honestly. I mean... I just think that if they if they want to commit to the closer carry, you need to you need to revamp the whole team around that. If you're gonna put closer on the carries, you can't be putting quid on, you know, control mage or jace every game. You can't be putting somebody on a carry every game. You have to then warp the rest of your team comp around your carry jungler because like I said, for the most part, it just feels like one hundred thieves get to the point where they're like, Oh, like are we having are we gonna have closer play tank utility or do we want it to play carry? Oh, we want it to play carry and you kind of already in the middle of your draft where you've already blind picked your your control mage mid or whatever or you're saving your counter pick for top because you want to go carry versus carry or something along the lines of that but i think part of the reason why closer is catching a lot of the flame is he's being put on these carry champions and can't really do a whole lot of the carrying like 100 thieves has they have the second worst early game in the league only behind immortals and i think a lot of that has to do with their inability to play around the early game and part of that has to do with them not picking any early game centric type comps and you look at teams like Cloud9, because I've been voicing saying Cloud9 has not been playing early game at all whatsoever, but you can see that in the way that they draft, where they are clearly playing for a mid-game to scaling-oriented type thing, and it's very apparent that that's what they're going to do, whereas I think with 100 Thieves, they're just trying to do they're trying to do too much with not enough. Like they don't, they don't have enough stuff to do what all they're trying to do. I think it's really fair that you point out that, look, if you're going to put closer on comfort, it will change how the rest of the, how the rest of your draft looks. Right. So you're totally right. Basically what I'm saying is yes, I am oversimplifying what that means by just, Oh, just put them on Lee Sin forehead. It's not that simple. Um, But I want to stick on this, this whole is closer the problem because that seems to be the community sentiment, but like, there are other problems. We obviously Doublelift has had a pretty decent split, but this weekend he was absolute trash. Um, I mean, he even said so himself. And then Quid is, I mean, he straight up just cost them the game against Cloud9, I think. Like, Quid has been horrendous for pretty much the whole split as well. And so while 
closer definitely deserves some flack. It's not just closer. Like there are other problems on this roster. Someday and double if seem to be the only, I don't even want to say double if's consistent anymore after this weekend that just happened, but someday seems to be the only consistent player that they have left. Yeah. I mean, someday and double if I think are the only two players throw Boosie in there. Maybe that have been sort of consistently at a good level for the majority of the year, because Quid has been pretty bad. I, I, I think there is a bit of a grace period when a new player comes into the league, and especially given the circumstances that it, there was visa issues, he came in not at the beginning of the split, didn't necessarily have the most practice within the team, but we are now, how many games has he played in the LCS? 12 games? He's played 12 games, and the majority of them have been not that great. I think and with, it's fair with, to point out that he didn't get to scrim with the team and blah, yeah. blah, blah. Like, we've had that conversation a million times. And, like, that is fair that, like, it's unlucky for him that he has to do that. However, we can't just ignore what's happening on the screen. He's freaking running it down. And, and I'd also argue that even though there was visa problems and wasn't there with the team at the start of the split, 100 Thieves specifically went to Korea to boot camp with him. Yeah. So it's not like... It's not like a Dignitas of last split situation where Armut did not play with the team whatsoever, literally flew in last minute and started playing. Like they still had some of the off season to work together and it's still not working. You know, I, it's hard to say because, you know, the community perception seems to be that closer is the number one issue. And while I think he's an issue, I think a lot of it is more of a team issue with the way that they want to play the game. And individually, we are seeing a lot of mistakes from the likes of Quid and this week specifically double lift. Yeah. Very rarely do you ever hear of a mid and jungle struggling and a team winning games. Normally that's not uh mid jungle has been talked about for years as being a really important component to your team. And both of those guys are struggling, especially man, the, the one quid play against cloud nine, when they have rel and Lee sin and then Ari decides to engage on the Nautilus by ulting in and just instantly die. Like that to me was so true. That to me said Quid doesn't understand how their comp is supposed to be played. That's what I got out of that game. And so that's why I'm so focused on not just closer. It's like there's very clearly other times where players are costing them the game that aren't just closer. Also true, yes. Yeah. Uh, anything else or should we move on to the next duo? Did we say who's more likely to miss? I think we both kind of lean Dignitas. I don't know if we said it, but... Yeah. I think if Rich still had a good week, I might have leaned Dig. But I think I'm lead leaning 100. Because like, even though 100 Thieves lost to Cloud9, I actually thought they put up a decent fight. Like, that game was close for a decent amount. So, like, there's... I value that a little bit when you put up a good fight against a good team. Yeah, no, there's... I, I agree. I'm kind of the same way where you do have to put some stock into a weaker a weaker performing team playing well against one of the best teams in the league. I don't see either one of these teams, if they do make playoffs, I don't see either one of them winning a best of five unless there's a team that completely implodes. Like, I, like EG right now is on a big loss streak, but like I wouldn't say they've imploded to the point that they would lose to either one of these teams yet. So like it's it's kind of tough seeing them either one of them winning a best of five, but... Maybe I'll have a different opinion after the season ends. Yeah, I mean, un unless there are massive changes to the way that 100 Thieves seems to want to play the game, I'm in the same boat as you. I don't really see this team going very far unless yeah. they are willing to warp how they play jungle either to the direction of we're going to warp the rest of the team to play around closer being the carry or we're going to put 
closer on the traditional meta champions and play to the meta. Because mm -hmm. I okay, think you can play, to, you can play to the meta in this. Like this is a, this should this should be a good meta for 100 thieves, where it's like okay, we can play some carry top flex on them shit with Sunday, or we can play super bot centric, which is exactly what Doublelift wants. Which is once again why I'm so confused why 100 thieves keeps doing this with their jungle. Yeah. Who's next, JNT? TSM and I'm forgetting someone. NRG. They yeah. both at. Eight TSM wins? and NRG are currently sat at eight and seven. So kind of feels like pretty much every all these teams are basically a pairing where you know we got we had Immortal Spike was at four wins, Dignitas uh, 100 Thieves at six wins, NRG TSM at eight wins, NRG picking up the 3 0 week once again, confirming <laughs> my previous point they made on the last episode where this team makes absolutely no sense. I have no idea how to judge this team on a week to week basis. So they're going to win the league, right? We haven't known how to judge NRG slash. LG since nearly when we started this freaking podcast. But that's that is one of the reasons why I love Anthem though. Right? Like their games are always I don't know what you're gonna get. I broke up with them last week. Uh I'm still not are getting you jealous back now? with them though. You're not the you're no, not the I'm jealous, not jealous. X because the three of them. No, I'm just I'm just cheating on them or whatever with Golden Guardians. They just they, beat, they Golden beat Golden Guardians. Guardians. I know, I know, but still, okay, here's the thing. They actually looked good in that game against Golden Guardians. Their three wins before that, I did not think they looked good whatsoever. So to me, I still don't think this team's looking very good, despite the fact that I think this team should be good. Not even like Cloud9 or Golden Guardians good, but just like a solid fourth place team. They're just not a solid fourth place team. There's so many games that they're picking up that I just have no idea how they're winning these games. I think they, I mean, I, I remember saying this, I can't remember if it was last split or last year. Because, I mean, still, this is when they were known as CLG and still had three-fifths of the same roster. But it always felt like, to me, they were the slightly worse version of Cloud9, where they were super, super chaotic. You know, in, in the moment. Jungle. Well, in the, yeah, they kind of live and die by jungler. But they are a very sort of in-the-moment team where you present the opportunity for them to get a good fight, and they're going to take it. And you make a mistake, and they're going to take it. But they're not necessarily the most polished team when it comes to playing a clean early game, dominating lanes and whatnot. And I think... This was kind of feels like it's been the story for them this whole split where they aren't necessarily one of the best teams in the early game. But for whatever reason, they just continue to roll over some teams in the mid game when they're making a lot of mistakes. And I feel like the FlyQuest game was kind of the example of that. I mean, we talked a little bit about it when we were talking about FlyQuest, but FlyQuest kind of starts a bit of a flippy baron um, for whatever reason. They feel like they need to do that and kind of at the sign of first resistance, they just... Completely back off of it, gives energy whole control of the map, and then. Okay, you take know over what the they game. do well? What energy does well is so they play well from behind, but it's always, they actually get a really nice TP flank ward all the time. They always get a ward down that's like perfect for TP flank. And I don't know if it's Dokla that sees it. He's the one that's TPing most of the time. Maybe it's him. Maybe it's somebody else making the call. I don't know. But whoever on that team is finding these TP flanks is actually getting them back in games that they're falling behind in. So, like, there is something that they do really, really well. However, when they have the lead, I actually think this team is just as bad with a lead as Team Liquid. Just Team Liquid has a lead in every single game. So everyone thinks Team Liquid is the worst at, at holding a lead, which, don't get me wrong, I totally see why. I just think that CLG is just as bad. They can't close out games either. They, they're, they like, too afraid to start Baron, or they'll get, like, frustrated and then just, like, well, we haven't tried anything for the last half an hour. You guys just want to flip Baron? It's like... You should have done Baron 20 minutes ago or something like that. Like, 
yeah, I, I think they suck with a the lead. They're much better from behind, which, of course, is also counter logic and just so perfectly fitting for this team. Uh, love them and hate them. Don't know how to predict them. They're great. They're awful. They're everything. And I love it. So since they just had a 3-0 week, what does this mean for this coming week? Does that mean they're going to fly up further in the standings and then disappoint us in playoffs? Or are they going to disappoint us at the end of the regular season and then perform well in playoffs? Well, they play Cloud9, so they should theoretically just beat them randomly because they do that all the time. And it's true, then they, they beat them lose in the to, first part of the round. They Roman. should lose to 100 Thieves and to Immortals. That would be the perfect NRG way to finish the season, which... After they started the split three and six, I predicted them to go nine and nine. This is not the way I thought it would be done, but however, they're on they're on pace to go nine and nine. And so that would be the perfect end of the split if you ask me for energy. Yeah, I guess I think that would that would put them pretty much where they are in the five six range. Does you know keep them in the upper bracket? I think now when we're looking at all the, the rest of the teams, we're kind of hoping that these are gonna be teams that cement themselves in the upper bracket and hopefully don't drop below because like we did mention these two teams are set at eight wins and the teams below them are at six wins so it would take a pretty big flop in the last week for any of these teams to fall further down in the standings but it is important to note that there is a chance that some of these teams could go a bit further up in the standings partially because um eg has some poor head-to-head records against the likes of both energy and tsm Small chance they could improve to, like, fourth place or something. So you're saying that they could... Okay, fourth place. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, the the ceiling for... You know, the ceiling is fourth place, I think. Hmm. Okay. I I think I can get behind that. Um... I, I, okay, one thing that I want to talk about is maybe one of the reasons why they're having success is because they're no longer putting contracts on Scion or on Ivern. Maybe now that's one of the reasons. First of all, I still, I've said it before. I think his Poppy is great. Maybe the fact that they're putting him on champions like Poppy is why this team's starting to see success. I don't know. The one guy that I will say I think has been consistent is actually Palafox. I think Palafox had a pretty good week, and he's had a few good weeks now. Um, I think Palafox is slowly uh, climbing in the... Uh, the all pro voting ranks, if you will. Yeah, I, I agree. He was, he was in, he was in there for me last split. So yeah, I'd probably still have him up there. I, I not to get too deep into this conversation, but I do think that mid lane has been relatively weak this split. I mean, mm. I think a lot of that does have to do with the role and the fact that the majority of it was sort of utility setup type mages. I mean, Ari, Annie, pretty much the whole split for the most part. Palafox still, once again, is one of those guys that will whip out the, you know, sort of off meta picks. I remember, I remember talking about this last week. I was, where's the Yonat? Where's the Yonat? This is yes, like, we did this is NRG's it. thing, and they obliged and picked it for me, so thank you. Yone, by and he, the way. And he played really well on it. Yes, he did. Um, okay, you mentioned how they could finish fourth. Do, do you think they're actually better than, like, the teams no. ahead of them? Like EG, no, because they, don't, they don't make any sense. Okay, just wanted to, just needed to check. I don't know. They could be. They could be. I don't think they are, but who knows? Is am I coping way too hard if I say that like this team still hasn't reached their peak? Like, is that stupid to say? I don't think it's stupid to say, but the question that I would then follow with is like, how long could they even stay at that peak for? Because that is a good question. I don't know the answer to that, but that is a good question. 
The, consist okay, the consistency is the playoff. issue here. The consistency is the issue. They had a good playoff issue. last split, right? Um, uh, yeah, I think or that was, was when just they... just against Cloud9? Well, and then they took Cloud9 five games, right? That's what it was, so... I'm trying to think of, like, whether we should expect this team to show up in playoffs or not. Well, and maybe, it... maybe I'm getting ahead of myself on that also. In a world where they could finish, you know, as high as four... They would be playing in a first round series the likes of TSM, 100 Thieves, Dignitas, as opposed to you finish in the 5 6 range, then you're playing one of EG, Golden Guardians, or Team Liquid potentially. So mm. I think, especially for a team who may not, might not, might not have the consistency as some of the other top teams, getting a higher playoff seeding and then an earlier first round playoff series might be beneficial to them if they, they sort of need to find that. Find that consistency. Or maybe Moyo it's style, the, I don't know what it is, but Moyo in the chat says that the meta is shaping up really well for Ignar with all the engaged champions. And I actually agree with that. The only problem is I feel like he's lost his well, I think I might have even mentioned this last episode or two episodes two episodes ago, that like I don't have as much faith in Ignar to find the engage as I used to. And that doesn't mean he can't, but like he used to be so reliable for that. And I don't know if he's that support anymore. He's not that guy. I don't think so. I don't know, man. It used to be no question, though, right? Um, but maybe we do see a resurgence because it is his meta, though, is the point that I wanted to get at. I think Moyo's onto something here. Maybe we do see, or maybe part of the resurgence in, in NRG is meta shaping up more towards what, uh, what Ignar would need. Maybe. Although, possible. not necessarily related, but I still believe that Alistar is terrible. Don't pick that champion. Okay, on the flip side with TSM, I've talked about how Chime is the new Ignar. And if you could argue that this is a good meta for Ignar, I would argue that Chime just as much. That guy has been great with finding engages and finding fights. His team might not always be ready for them. That's a whole nother story. But I think that if you're going to argue it's a good meta for, for Ignar, which I am arguing, I think I could say that about Chime as well. Yeah, no, I... If you, I, it's hard to, TSM it feels like they've just been flying under the radar minus the whole Ruby and Insanity stuff the rest of TSM has just flown under the radar the whole you know sort of the whole year I feel like yeah. we, we're it feels like we talk about it week in and week out how Chime is playing really well Boogie's playing really well Hunter's playing really bad and Turtle is either playing really bad or really good Feels like the likes of Chime and Boogie are not getting the same love as Insanity. And probably a lot of that has to do with like NA mid like, you know, the NA mid lane talent and the fact that he's the first North American mid since like Pobelter basically. But And he's popping off. Let's I mean until you put him on Sejuani. Yeah. Well, once again, dog shit, Viego, mm -hmm. carry jungler thing going on. Please, for the love of God, stop that. I, I blame Viego once again. I'm just going to say, I think that's the last time we see Insanity get put on Sejuani duty. That was kind of weird. And also, I don't know if Hanser's getting the, the carry matchup anymore. He got the Gwen and just got solo killed like at four or five minutes or something like that. I don't think TSM's running the back dra that draft again. Hanser, I mean, we memed him in the first week for how horrible his Malphite duty is. Because normally when you're just on Malphite duty, all you need to do is just be an ult bot. And he couldn't even do that. And he still continued to struggle throughout the entire split. So I hope for his sake that he can just go back to like tank duty because Mounters on carries his team does not look good at all.
I was he, he loses every single Hunter. lane. Has Hunter won a single lane yeah. the whole split? A single lane. I'm sure he has, although I can't name it. But that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I, uh, I, I would can't love th to see Hanser perform. It like this team would actually be probably a really solid team. They would kind of be sort of like Golden Guardians, where like there's no real weakness in the lineup. Maybe yeah. you don't have a, an MVP anywhere, but maybe you do. Well, I, maybe Insanity is an MVP candidate. I don't know. But my point is, you wouldn't have any absolute like holes in the lineup. No offense to Hanser. It it would make me wonder. Just He's a big how hole. Different, it would make me wonder just how different TSM looked. I I agree. I think you put a you put a you know an average top laner on this team, and I think they're still pretty good. Can we talk about the Reggie tweet? <laughs> oh my god, this guy is. Who did, who did they beat? I think it was just. He... I think it was just the first game after they beat Dignitas. That Maybe means... actually, it was pro it was probably after the TL game, just because it was TL. But I I don't I can't remember. I'm gonna assume it was seconds, after the TL game. Let me just find the tweet. It was on the 13th. So what was the 13th? That was a Thursday. So it was after the second game then. So at that point, they're eight and six. And you've got the owner, Reggie, or the CEO, or whatever the hell he is, tweeting out good riddance. If, for those that don't know, that's in reference to, I think, Azale, although a lot of people saying it. But I think it was a reference to Azale saying, like, good riddance to TSM for getting out of the league because they it haven't was, really yeah. done anything. And so I just feel like that's a bold move to tweet good riddance from Reggie when like, this is the regular split. Like this is summer split. You're eight and six. Like you haven't accomplished anything yet. No, that is so crazy that the owner of T think about if he would have done that in like, I don't know, season seven or six or whatever. If like, TSM... this is a team that is supposed to be known for winning everything. Now you've got an ego because you're eight and six? If TSM was eight and seven in the standings in almost any other split in the LCS from seasons three to season ten, they'd be getting flamed to like the end of time. You're like, I mean, oh my god. Now, honestly, you deserve flame for that tweet. That was stupid. Yeah, but it's just hilarious that Reggie was trying Reggie was attempting to clown on a Zale. For shit talking TSM at the beginning of the split, when you're still only sat tied for six in the standings, and your team is like fallen so far out of relevancy in, you know, in with regards to where TSM was previously at, it's just hilarious. Well, and then they lost the next game. Further emphasizing, further emphasizing the hilariousness. Which was, I mean, I they played I, against they played against Double If. They got smacked by Double If in the next game. True, perfect, perfect. Even better. That makes it much more hilarious. I would say though, in that game, Quid kind of did the smacking, but Double If still played well. Yeah. Well, you didn't someday have a good game too. Yeah, the solo laner said solo right, laner won the solo that game. Kill. Right, right, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. right, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that was, uh, anyways, that is kind of perfect that he tweets out good riddance and then gets beat by 100 Thieves with double if this. Sometimes the stories are just too perfect. Too perfect. Although, if, the thing is, if TSM went on a playoff run and then he tweets good riddance, like, okay, that's kind of funny. Yeah, no, 100%. It, he's getting a little bit ahead of himself. Uh, before we close out the TSM and NRG discussion, um, we, uh, we definitely have them making playoffs. They're four games above. They're not missing. 
Yeah. Uh, do we have them top bracket for sure? They're two games above 100 and dig. I think both of them, I think they're probably going to remain at the 5-6 mark, which is where they're currently at. You know, the only, pretty much the only world where one of these teams moves up um, on the other is TSM uh, owns, I think, 2-0 over EG in the head-to-head. So I think the main chance for improvements, I mean, obviously they could overtake them in wins, but more likely than not, there's going to be tiebreakers getting played on the last day. And I think TSM would have to be, you know, either tied or ahead of EG in the standings to promote into fourth place, potentially. TSM is 0-1 against EG. Who might, who's, who's 2-0 over EG then? Some, some uh, team is 2-0 over EG that's like the NRG then? Who's 2-0 over EG? Uh, Did I mix them up? 100 Thieves is 2 0 them. 100 Thieves is the only team that's 2 0 EG this split. Guess I'm just trolling. Yeah, you might be. Oh, wait. I'm trolling. Uh oh. I'm, I'm getting confused because, you know, how, anyways, I'm getting confused. Uh oh. I, I might be trolling. I might be, I might be perfectly correct or I might be hard trolling. Did I say EG is 2 0 against. I don't fucking know, man. Now I'm lost. Either way, seven and eight <laughs> for both of these teams. They're likely going to be sitting where they are. I I, I don't foresee yeah. either of these teams moving up or down from five and six. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's move on to the. I guess it would be EG and somebody else. I'm forgetting. Team Liquid. Right. Oh God, should we talk about the downfall of EG? Is it a downfall? I think so. A little bit. They were. I mean, they were seven and two. They were seven. They were over. They were seven and one. I think at the best part of the season. That was before they played Cloud Nine for the first time, where they got smack daddied in like twenty three minutes. It's definitely a downfall. I just don't want to make it sound like it's over, right? Like it's not over yet. They're still nine and six, so they're still in a decent spot. But there was some players that were calling them frauds. Who called them frauds? Speaker did on the dive, I think. So that was kind of funny. Speaker was like, yeah, I know they beat us, but they're still frauds. <laughs> um, and I think there was other players saying too that like EG's good. They're just not like top team like EG or, or um, excuse me, like Golden Guardians or Cloud9. I think oh. that's what a lot, that's what the, the sentiment has been. And JoJo was looking great and then kind of ran it down in that game against Golden Guardians. Oh, I mean, that game against Golden Guardians, that was like the epitome of getting smacked. I don't I, I I can't I didn't watch I only watched the game like I wasn't watching the broadcast at the time so I wasn't watching any of the pre or post game coverage but was that the fastest game in LCS history because it probably was around that I'm sure there's been other ones that have ended pre 20 I'm gonna guess no but there was some records of like goal differential like Gory was up the most gold at whatever time over Jojo like over his lane opponent I think he had like 10k while jojo had five or something like that you know what problem i had with that game was like everyone was just saying oh it was a game that was flipped at level one like okay it was sort of flipped at level one there was an invade it didn't go eg's way and golden guardians picked up a kill but like that is no excuse for eg to lose a game at 19 minutes and for gory to be up 5k against his lane opponent by i don't even know what time in the game it was like there are plenty plenty of games that are flipped level one where someone dies and like, oh no, things don't start well. But like, that is no excuse to lose a game at 19 minutes. No, 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 no. That was like, 
I wish that that didn't happen because Golden Guardians continued to stomp them the rest of the game just by outplaying them anyways. Like regardless of like a starting uh, gold advantage to start the game. So I feel like everyone just kind of looked at that and went, oh, this game would have been restarted in scrims. And so it's that's why they lost at 19 minutes. No, they lost at 19 minutes because Armeo sucked. Jojo sucked. Uh, Ayla sucked. They all sucked. That's why they lost at 19 minutes. On top of them losing the level one invade. Yes. I feel like you covered it all. Like, um, yeah, pretty much. Well, that particular, it, well in that, that game, yeah. game, yeah. I mean, the thing with EG, which is a little bit scary, is they have lost four games in a row. I think they're one and five in their last six. Um, But they did lose to some pretty good teams this week. I mean, you know, they lost to Golden Guardians, Cloud9, and FlyQuest, and pretty acceptable to lose to the likes of Golden Guardians and Cloud9. FlyQuest, FlyQuest though. FlyQuest, not as much. But that game is also kind of problematic because they got smacked as well. And I, I forget who said it on the broadcast. I can't remember if it was Azale or if it was somebody else. But they were basically outlining the fact that when EG loses, they get destroyed. And pretty evident in every single EG loss. Like, every single game they've lost has been an absolute smacking. Like, they have not... They seem to be very hit and miss in terms of their gameplay and wins and losses. So then when it comes to EG and where they're supposed to be, since clearly they're not a top team anymore, are they supposed to be a nine and six ish team? Or are they supposed to be like a, an eight and seven? Like, wh what do you think? Do you think they still have more uh, room to go down for them to like even out on where they're supposed to be? Or do you think this is where they're supposed to be? Well, I, I mean, is where are they at right now? They're sitting in third place. Aren't they? Or they're tied yes. for third? Or they have the they're same? They're tied for third with Team Liquid at nine and six, and mm -hmm. they're one game back of Golden Guardians, who's ten and five. Two games back of Cloud Nine, eleven and four, and then of course they're one game ahead of NRG and TSM. They're both eight and seven. I mean, based on the trajectories of the various teams in the league, it does feel like EG is probably actually a bit lower than where they are at in the standings right now. Because that's my feeling too. It, it it feels like EG they haven't really. There's been no changes or improvements or anything. It just feels like they're playing the exact same way that they have been previously, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it just feels like the the style and the gameplay is the same every single game, and it does not change from game to game. You know exactly what you're going to get, and I think that can be a good thing when you're playing against weaker teams, but it can be a very bad thing when you're playing against some of the top teams, and I think that's part of the reason why a lot of their games against the top teams ends in such a one-sided fashion. It does expose a little bit what people were worried about with, like, if they're not winning through JoJo and Armeo, are they winning the, or, or I guess Unforgiven, like, are they still going to win the game other ways? And, like, Revenge, I know we keep saying it every week, he hasn't exactly been it. I'm he's not the saying. guy. If anybody's not the guy, he's not the guy. I know we all want him to be the guy, but he's, he's not been the guy. Ayla's been very hit or miss. He's had some nice rel engages. He also had some int ones. Um, so, so it's like, usually you want a team to be able to pick up the slack if your star player isn't winning you the game. And it doesn't feel like that's happened at all this split. It that's, does that's, feel like... That feels like a good way to describe it. Yeah, it feels like if JoJo isn't winning the game, then they're not winning the game. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Moyo says Unforgiven most overrated player in the net. I don't know if I'd go that far because I do think Unforgiven has had a good split, but it does feel a lot like the game is decided by JoJo's performance, which isn't uh, is not ideal. Usually, you want to have more than one guy to kind of lean on. Yeah, and 
it's once again a similar problem to what we were talking about with 100 Thieves, where if you only have one style that you can play the game, and that style is not working, then your team is going to look super dysfunctional from top to bottom, regardless of it's only one or two people that might be might have glaring issues. The whole team is going to look awful if your style doesn't work or doesn't resonate with other people on the team. So to the question of that we asked at the start, did we overrate EG? I think the answer is slightly. Well, I don't, it's hard to say because I don't think we overrated them in the moment. Like when we saw them playing in the first half of the round Robin, I think what we were seeing was great. But I think the problem then stemmed from when teams got better and other teams started to improve, EG didn't. And they sort of Mm. just stayed the same. So I think at the time we necessarily didn't overrate them, but maybe their, their improvements or lack thereof have sort of been the reason for their drop in performance, at least for me. And then we go over to Team Liquid. Dude, this team. They're the most exciting team to watch. I think we can say that. Definitely. Definitely. (laughs) Uh, Maybe I'll start with the good before I make fun of them. Okay. Uh, Okay. Everyone loves to talk about how Summit, a million ISO deaths. And don't get me wrong. When you have like, I don't even know how many isolated deaths he has now, like 20 or something. I, I'm not going to defend that like, oh, they're all warranted and it's okay. I'm not saying that. However, I think people are completely overlooking just how much value this guy does bring to the team because he is still hard smashing all of the lanes. He is highest in the league in DPM, by the way. He's doing the most damage. This is a top laner, guys. He's doing the most, like, I, what triggers me is like people look at isolated deaths and they're like, bad player. Summit's going back to his cloud nine days and like, don't get me wrong. You can't die that often, but it's just, if you're going to look at stats, you got to look at a lot more than that. And I think you should look at damage. He kills way more people than he dies. He's he's got a KDA of like three, which is good for a top laner, by the way, he's always putting out pressure. So like, I just think that he is actually a really, really good top laner, even though his weakness is very glaring and obvious. Yeah. It feels like his, his mistakes Feels like from the eye test, or I guess I shouldn't say from the eye test, from the naked eye, his mistakes seem so obvious, but the ways that he builds advantages, gets leads, you know, plays the game and whatnot go very kind of unnoticed because something that you don't necessarily see all the time, the the real-time gold value of, you know, wave, wave manipulation, tower plates, you know, macro pressure on the map, that is not something that's super obvious. What is obvious is the times when he's running it down on the sideline. So I think... I think part of it does have to do with, you know, a bit of the nuance in terms of what he's so good at, because it's not necessarily the most obvious thing in the world, but his weaknesses are are quite apparent and obvious. But So I, I mentioned that he's highest damage per minute. I should say APA is high, but APA only played five games. So like that's, you're going to have a skewed thing with such a small sample size. But by the same token, APA, brand new player, played five games and is top of damage in the league. His is 794. That is a lot of freaking damage. And let me just say, this isn't some fluke. APA is popping off in these games, man. The Casio alts were insane. The Ziggs that he was playing last week was nuts. What else? The Nico, the four-man ulti against... And I don't even know who. Likewise. But like these plays are insane, man. This guy's having such a good start um, to his LCS career. So like... Yeah, I know it's not a lot of games, but I don't care. I'm hyped for APA. It is fucking fun to watch this guy play. It feels like the perfect situation for him because the game plan of Team Liquid is the same as this split as it was last split. We're playing bot lane focused for the first part of the first part of the game. We're letting Summit do his thing isolated in the 1v1 top lane, get some leads, and then 
you know, didn't always work out all the time, but hopefully transition that early game lead into late game victories. Now, if they struggle with that, it seems that they're getting a little bit better at that. I would say that there still are many, many mistakes that Team Liquid makes in the mid and late game. See the uh, game against Cloud9 for that, but... APA, yeah, I think, okay. is slot- APA is slotted in very well. Uh, he's definitely feels like a bit of a perfect situation for him where he's not being asked to do too much because the rest of the team is doing the most of the heavy lifting for the first 15 minutes. And then he's just at that point where he's playing a farmed damage dealer and is dealing damage and not making the same mistakes that Harry was making when it comes to getting picked up and positioning and whatnot. Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing for Harry, sadly, is that everyone's going to compare and there's it's. There's no comparison to be made. It's very obvious that one guy is doing way better than the other. Um, I have one more good thing to say about TL before I flame the hell out of them. Okay. I think PO6 had a really good split. Yeah. I think that it's been great watching him play. I liked his Sejuani a couple of weeks ago. His Poppy's been great. His Lee Sin was hilarious, even though it was a little bit aggro. It was still pretty good. I think PO6 actually has had a really good split, which... People I thought... that watched last split will say, like, yeah, he was terrible. So, like, it, quite an improvement. Let's put it that way. I thought that Pioshek didn't get the credit he deserved in that Team Liquid versus FlyQuest game on the Lee Sin. I thought he was, like, he made he pretty much made almost everything happen that game. Minus the one huge Nico ult that AP had in the river. Pretty much all... I just remember him trading for Prince. Like, he just went in to make the one-for-one trade for Prince, which is almost always good, but it was just a funny play because he just died for it. You mean the, do you mean the one where, like, it was in mid lane, mid lane and he, like, barely tower. got the... Yeah, I mean, but that was still a nice yeah. play. Like, yeah, it was. It was. Every, <laughs> single, every single kick that he went for that game was, like, on a priority target. They locked him down, and they killed him. So, I don't know. Pioshek, to me, was that guy deserved player of the game there, not APA. APA sold a great game, don't get me wrong, but... I feel like once again he's been he's been he's in a similar situation to that insanity's in on his team where the guy just comes in and is playing so well so he's the guy that everyone wants to talk about but the jungler is just quietly flying under the radar like this guy's doing a lot of work as well that is not being noticed. Yep. Okay. Can I flame them now? Yes. Go ahead. I mean, I think most people know what I'm going to say is they can't hold on to a lead. They get leads and they just can't help but fight. They need to fight. They have to fight. Oh, someone died. We only have four. They have five. Let's fight. They're fighting anyways. Like it is amazing how bad they are at forcing fights. They can't help themselves. They literally cannot help themselves. They need to fight. You know what it's like? It's like um, you ever seen like an owner that, with a dog and they put food. They're dogs. So so they put food down okay. in front of the table and they tell the dog to wait. And the dog like looks back at the owner and looks back at the food and looks back at the owner and looks back at the food. And But they just can't wait and they just go for the food. That's that's the team fight. The food is the team fight. They can't help themselves. If, if that human leaves the room, they're going for the steak on the table or the whatever. They cannot help themselves. It is amazing. It is hilarious, but amazingly frustrating. Like TL fans are bald. They've all lost their hair. So let me sure. let me pose a scenario to you. Obviously, unrealistic scenario, but let's say in a world where you could have the coach on stage while you're playing games, do you think if TL had their coach on stage that they would actually not be making these mistakes and actually be a really good team? Like maybe the best. No, in the because league? they'd be the dog that can't even hear the human anymore. They're just like, oh my god, food! Time to fight. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, wouldn't help at all. Yeah, they can't help themselves. Dude, there's I mean, no it, it, it is very hilarious if you go and look at almost all their gold graphs. It is just a straight, like, it's a heart rate monitor, basically, in terms of what's going on. It, it's really funny. 
someone gets picked off and they're fighting 4v5 instantly right after. They're like, nope, I, I know he got picked, but we have to salvage this. We have to fight. And then they'll lose Baron. They'll lose a dragon after. It is crazy. I'm just glad I'm not a diehard TL fan or else I would be so furious. I'd be so mad. So shout out to all the TL homies that are uh, still watching these games. You you got some really serious uh, coping skills. Yeah, I just, along I with just, FlyQuest fans for that matter. I just want to respond quickly to what Moyo said in the live chat. So I don't think TL's mistakes are necessarily bad. Some of them are bad. Some will, they will improve from. I think I was of the same opinion last spring. Yeah, about four half, months ago. <laughs> about halfway through the split when this team was the best early game team in the league yet continued to throw in the mid and late game and resulted them having like a, they were what three and seven or something through the first four or five weeks. And I was like, it's okay. They're going to want a playoff push. They can improve from these mistakes yet. Those same mistakes still happen. In the second round Robin come along to the first round Robin of summer. Those same mistakes are there. And we saw this past weekend, the same mistakes are there once again. And I'll somewhat agree for what the boy is saying that they should have lost to C9. I think they should have as well, but Cloud9 also suffers from the same problems of Team Liquid that they want to fight all the time as well. Yeah. I will never be missing a Team Liquid game, I'll say that. They're exciting. Yeah. Uh, I don't got anything else to say on this team. Oh, Jan was terrible at team fighting. Uh, Jan actually had a pretty bad week. That was the other thing, too. The one game, he was exhausted, and he cleansed. Like The exhaust was pretty much almost done. There was nothing else to cleanse. He cleanses an exhaust that pretty much waited the whole duration of the exhaust. Then he could have flashed out of the pit, decided to Zonius instead, and then flashed into the wall. He failed to oh, flash yeah. over the wall. Like, I remember dude, that. That was, that was really one of the good. Most disgusting team fights I've ever seen. That was and really good. The, the sad thing about that play is that that was the one, or I think it was the one, where APA was like kiting 1v4 on Cassio right after, and everyone on the other team is like 1 HP. And it was like, if you just had an AD carry that didn't hard troll this fight, they probably clean up that whole fight, or APA is able to clean up the whole fight. But that was just some horrendous team fighting from Jan. Um, I'm sure Jan wants that one back, that's for sure. Last thing that I'll say about this whole situation for playoff implications, while very unlikely, Team Liquid does own a 2-0 head-to-head record over Cloud9, so... Theoretically, the best team that has the chance maybe to overtake Cloud9 in the standings could be Team Liquid because they got that 2-0 head-to-head. Okay, that's crazy because Cloud9 plays well from behind. They always claw back into games. They'll like sneak a Baron or something. I mean, or they, were, not... they were doing that against Team Liquid, but then they themselves... They held on. Well, they kind of themselves threw it back when... Fudge oh. flanked on the Renekton, right? That's that one? Yeah, and then M&S was yeah. bot lane, so they decided to opt into a 4v5 team fight and... I will say TL reacted really well to that. They saw they were getting flanked and were like, we have to fight our way through the Renekton because if they go down and they try to fight the other way, they probably well, die. So they, they were kind of also, I mean, I assume that they were also kiting backwards because they knew that MNS just TP'd bot and their top laner who was already bot TP'd to the fight. Hmm. So they're probably also just like, let's just wait for our top laner to come. It's 5v4. And Cloudon was like, oh shit, yeah, it is 5v4. We just lost the whole <laughs> fucking game. Because I, I mean, I was I was almost convinced that Cloudon was going to win that game after, you know, when the top lane TP started going in. I was like, oh wait, it was like, oh, it looks really good, big flank. Oh wait, MNS no TP. It's a five v four. Why are they still taking the fight? They're fighting. Oh my, the game's over. And it's it's a TL game, so you're like, if they've thrown all these games to other teams, then you think they're throwing to Cloud Nine for sure. But 
they managed to hold on to that one. So that one was pretty cool. Uh, who's next? We got, are we doing Cloud9 and Golden Guardian, the last two? Yeah, we, they're sitting at the top. They're number one and number two. Cloud9 does have 11 wins. One win over the 10-win Golden Guardians. However, they were on, they had their whole celebration after they picked up their 10th win, finally eclipsing the nine-win Curse of Golden Guardians because it's been, I guess, how many splits? Just do the quick math here. This is the 11th split that Golden Guardians has been in the LCS, and this is now the first time ever they have 10 or more wins. That is that is wild, actually. I didn't do the math on it. You sure that did you say this is the 10th split? This is the 11th. Yes, I just did it again. I counted on my hands oh. just now. This is the 11th split of their existence in the LCS, and they finally have over 10 wins. I think it should be 12, Jinther. Shouldn't it be an even number? Two splits? This is the second? Oh, I guess I just, yeah, I didn't count the current. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Um, but they done it. They, they, they did it. They have done it. And I, I'm telling you, too, the best thing for them was that they got to play Immortals to clinch it. Because if they, like, if they were playing against any decent team, you know the curse could, like, not... They couldn't break the curse. It was like they had the easiest opponent possible to make this happen. And honestly, the game wasn't even that, like, smooth. I, I will say that, like, Immortals put up a decent fight. But, like, I still don't think Golden Guardians should be losing to Immortals. No offense to Immortals. Uh... But they held on, I guess. Yeah. So are they going to get to their 12 wins, though? You set the benchmark at 12 wins. Are they going to get there? I think... So first of all, they should have beat NRG last week, but they didn't. <laughs> but... But I know I'm coping, right? But I think them going 2-1 and one this week coming up is, like, the most likely scenario, right? Like, okay, if I ask you, what do you think is more likely? Them going 0-3, 1-2, 2-1, or 3-0? I'd say 2-1 is the most likely, right? Probably. I mean, without looking at They played TL, the... TL, Dignitas, and 100 Thieves. I would think a 2-1 would make the most sense there. That's probably the most likely, right? So I feel pretty good about my 12-win prediction. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I will say the hardest one is for sure that 10th win. But here's what I will say in reverse. This split of LCS has made no sense whatsoever. So if we uh -huh. think that the most likely thing to happen is the 2-1, that's not what's going to happen. That's all I know. So they're good. They're, they're, they could they go 3-0. Who knows? Maybe, yeah, maybe it's 3-0. I'll take but it. I'll tell you what. It's not going to be 2-1. If we've identified that that's the most likely thing to happen, it's not going to happen. And if it does, then it actually, none of this makes any sense then if that is the case. Hmm. Okay, who makes did sense. they play this week? So they played... They played, Evil geniuses. They beat them in that 19-minute yeah, smack. They and played then immorals, immortals, like we just mentioned. And then they and then they lost to NRG. Oh yeah, yeah. That would have been two weeks ago. Then they should have beat NRG. Yeah, but the thing here here the NRG beating Golden Guardians makes total sense because they always lose to the teams that they should beat, and they beat the teams that they should lose to. So this is all part of the plan for Golden Guardians. It's like it's totally fine that they lost to NRG. Sounds good. Okay, good. Uh, this team, I want to talk about their MVP because there, there doesn't seem to be an obvious one. And when the MVP discussions happen, everyone's kind of saying like it's hard to pick a guy from Golden Guardians because the whole team is solid. And I kind of agree with that. 
but I feel like we should be able to pick one guy, even though I don't think it's easy to pick one guy from this team. I feel like we should be able to pick one guy and say, this is their best player. Um, I could start if you want me to. Sure. Do you want to go? I'll go. I actually think it's Gory. I, my and two options were either Gory or River. So There is some recency to this, because yes, they absolutely stomped EG. But I will say that, like, just because it's recent does not make that stomp any less. Like, he won that game. That was all Corey. The, the gold lead was insane for him. And I'm not trying to say that his team didn't do anything. But let's be honest. The guy that took over the game was Corey. But I also think he's had a solid split throughout the split anyways. There was a couple of games earlier on in the split where he was getting picked off in side lanes. And so there was a little bit of oopsie. But I think for the most part, I think Corey's been so solid and so reliable as a carry. Um, the other guys that I could say is maybe who he and sticks a, but I will also point to the start of the split. I did not like how they performed the first couple of weeks. I thought that they were really weak. And so I'm trying not to forget about that either. It, it feels like golden guardians are kind of like suffering from their own success a little bit individually, at least. Cause I think when you do look at the team, you can kind of, well, one, you have to look at it from over the course of the entire season, because if you're only looking at the, you know, if you're skewing your, you're, if we if we want to call this an MVP discussion, if we're skewing it towards the back half of the split, then uh, you know that's not necessarily fair to what was going on in the first half of the split. And mm -hmm. you go to the first half of the split, as you mentioned, Sticks and Huey were underperforming a little bit. And I think even currently right now, while I think both of them are playing a lot better, it does feel like Sticks, for the most part, his strengths do really lie in sort of the late game team fighting stages. And for sure, when you look at the early game. The early games completely run by the likes of Gory, Licorice, and River. Like they, Golden Guardians with a lot of focus onto their top side of the map within the early game. And then you want to talk about Licorice. This was a guy that was playing really, really well at the start of the split. But you know, as the split's kind of gone on and on, he's he's maybe dropped in performance a little bit. I and agree. Part of the reason why my two picks were initially River and Gory is that those have been the two guys that have been consistently good throughout the entire split. And I think that sort of speaks more towards what I want in, in, in an MVP, not necessarily of the league, but of this team. Because River, to me, and part of the reasons he'd be my pick, is he's just, he's been the rock for the early game. He's been able to adapt and play almost every single jungler that's been meta for the last, you know, year, basically. You know, and more specifically this split, he's whipped out a lot of unique picks that a lot of the league isn't seeing. He's one of the Nocturne guys that picks it. Obviously, he's had two Jarvan games that have been chef's kiss jarvan like oh my god it's so great yeah. so i'd go with river but gory is my close number two in that i i could see river being on there actually this might sound like flame but it, it's not the only guy that i didn't consider is licorice and i am by no means saying licorice is what like last split because i last split let's be real licorice was one of the worst players in the league and i think that's one of the best stories we have in lcs is the improvement of licorice and don't get me wrong i am so excited for how much better licorice is looking i still think he has had a couple of inti performances where he's kind of just hard losing lane um so that's why i can't really give licorice the nod despite the fact that i still think he's having a good split i feel like the community sentiment though is very high on licorice whereas like i'm not quite as high on licorice as everybody else is i don't think I mean, I think everybody still recognizes that he's one of the better top laners to split. But I, yeah, I, I think he'll be top, he'll be all pro. I'm pretty yeah. sure. I just think that the both of us have sort of recognized the, you know, drop off not heavily by any means, nowhere near to the drop off that we previously saw out of Licorice. But you know, he's not 
just stomping everybody in lane now because that's kind of what he was doing. He was winning the majority of his lanes, you know, at MSI and post MSI, but now he's back to a bit more the norm. We might see him come back to his pop off self in playoffs as well, right? Like it's this is just a regular season discussion here, but like I'm not ready to give up on Licorice to see him match the other um, the other guys on his team. Um. Oh yeah, the other thing I wanted to talk about was the chances of this team catching Cloud9. I think we even mentioned it last week that like Cloud9 isn't looking that great right now. And like maybe they're trying out new things. Uh, that might be Cope, I don't know. Maybe they completely turn it on in playoffs, sure. But from what we've seen out of Cloud9 in the regular split, I don't think it's unheard of that Golden Guardians catches them just being one game back. Um, I guess I should look at who each team is playing. Cloud9 has NRG. TSM and FlyQuest. Uh, what do you think is more likely for Cloud9? A 2 and 1 or a 3 3 0? Would you say it was TSM and They play NRG, TSM, and FlyQuest. Well, I mean, who does. I guess. I mean. Like Cloud9's obviously the favorite in all of those games, but like to win all of them, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I think they're. I mean, the main thing that Cloud9 has going for them is they have they are plus one wins over Golden Guardians. They are one one and one in the head to head, so mm-hmm. it's kind of only the reason we're even entertaining this discussion because it is still possible that Golden Guardians goes three zero, Cloud9 goes two one. We're playing tiebreaker for first place, or even in a world where Cloud9 goes zero three and Golden Guardians even goes one and two, they're still playing tiebreaker for first place. So it's possible. Yeah. It's very possible. I think that both Golden Guardians has a pretty solid chance of catching them. They just need the dominoes to maybe fall their way with one game. One game Cloudon has to lose for the possibility to be even you know, possible. And Golden Guardians is only up one game on EG and TL, but I don't think either of those teams are looking clean enough to have us... Like, we're not saying it's impossible for those teams to catch Golden Guardians. I'm just saying it's unlikely. I think Golden Guardians has looked a lot better, even if they themselves haven't even looked perfectly clean this past week also. I still tend to, uh, I definitely put Golden Guardians a tier above EG and TL. So I don't have them catching them. I, or, excuse me, I don't have EG, TL catching Golden Guardians. I think it's more likely that Golden Guardians catches Cloud9, even though I still have Cloud9 and Golden Guardians finishing one and two. Yeah, I, I agree with, I, I see what you're saying. And I, I think I agree with that breakdown. Yeah, which if, if it does finish the way it is right now, if the standings stay the same, uh, those two teams get a buy, right? Cloud9 and Golden Guardians get a buy, which seems pretty fitting it definitely feels like these are the best two teams in our league does it worry you at all that cloud nine doesn't look as clean i mean this is just part of the normal process isn't it like they're just gonna turn it on i mean if anything when it comes to cloud nine the last week of the regular season they usually smurf and are usually playing a tiebreaker because they've usually had a struggle throughout the regular season and then turn it on at the end and then tie break somebody for a better playoff spot. So considering they're already in first place, they'll probably stay first place, but best of fives is only where I'm going to get concerned. Okay, and they're likely going to have we... some layup matches if they're going to be in the, if they're going to be the first seat, they're going to be playing two bad teams to start out with before they get to the likes of golden guardians, EG team liquid. If we're expecting them to start to look better, who do you think needs to step up on Cloud9 for them to look a lot more like their, you know, number one self? I mean, it's probably, 
I mean, I, we talked about it last week, but it's still probably one of Fudge or MNS. I mean, the only other person that we could maybe throw into the discussion is Sven. And the only reason... I would say Berserker still. Like, I don't think that's anything against Berserker having a bad split. I just think in spring, Berserker was like, hands down, like, he was hands down one of the best ADCs, which is like, yeah, I guess he still is. But like, I don't think his performances have been nearly what they were last split, even if he's still one of our best AD carries. The only reason that I even brought Sven into the equation for you know to start is because I previously have talked a lot about how Cloud9 has really not put as much focus into the other game, and I think a lot of that you can see in their bot lane laning phase. You know, previously, and it could be due to the meta shift with Sven playing a lot more melee engager type champions, but when Cloud9 was playing almost exclusively enchanters in the swing split, Berserker and Sven were doing you know they were winning pretty much every single lane. And it was mm -hmm. typical old C9 where you get control through the bot lane, you snowball and take early dragons. And that's kind of been the opposite of what we're seeing where lane has not been a focus for bot lane. Berserker and Zven are more often than not actually just going even. And we are often seeing Zven actually be a roamer in the early game, similar to sort of what Vulcan's role was on, with on Cloud9. When Vulcan and Zven were playing on Cloud9, Zven was often the guy who was playing for lane in the early game and then just chilling when Vulcan roamed post like levels four, five, six. And I feel like we're seeing more of that style of Cloud9 than the more lane-focused one. And maybe if they wanted to shift back to more lane-centric and have Sven on Enchanters and play more for the bot lane, that would just naturally work out better for him in Berserker. But I don't think that's necessary. And for anything, I still want their solo lanes to play a little bit better. Because, I mean, MNS had a pretty... It's hard to say he had a terrible game, but he did not have a good game against Team Liquid. I mean, a couple of the the two tower dives that he went for were pretty messy. Uh, one was bot lane, the other was top lane, I remember, early in that game, where Clown just pretty much failed two tower dives and mm -hmm. really messed up their early game. But I think, for me, it says a lot about Cloud9 that they're currently by themselves in first place, and for me, there's still a room for improvement for pretty much everyone on their roster except for Blabber. Yep, I think that I says agree. a lot about just how much of a beast this team can become in playoffs. We'll have to, you know, to be determined because we have seen them fall off before, like the one year that they missed Worlds. Yeah, it was like three years ago, but it has happened. So we'll see. We will see. Uh, let's, get, let's get into the MVP discussion because it's changed, but not for ways that I thought it would change. It feels like all the MVP contenders are sprinting it this week. Blabber a little bit less than the others, maybe, but still he had his own int game on the, what was it, the Maokai? Yeah, that he didn't have... Somehow, they still gave him player of the game because he stole a Baron, but like he had some pretty big int plays that game. They flashing into the Dragon Pit after Berserker himself flashed into the Dragon Pit as the enemy mid laner was roaming down through the river was one of the funnier things that I've seen in, in recent memory. And then they're like, player of the game. <laughs> he that was just, a, it was fairness. just such a weird game though. Cause they, they just won the game off of, you know, one Baron steel turned into an end in the span of three minutes. Okay. But also we mentioned Jojo also ran it down in the game against golden guardians. And then rich went Oh nine and whatever, like, even though Blabber had that one in game, I feel like this past week gave him a much better chance at MVP just because of how the other uh, top MVP, uh, I don't know, guys 
kind of fell off pretty hard, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to recall. I, I can't remember what you said, but for me, I had as my three front runners. I had Blabber, Rich, and Jojo. Those are my top three. And then I kind of had a couple sort of lurking in the wings. Most, I think the two notable ones I said were Berserker and Insanity. And after this past weekend, seeing, you know, my top three guys not play as well, but I would also say that Jojo and Rich had much worse performances than Blabber in just kind of that one game. Yeah. In, I feel like Insanity, insanity I, is continuing to boost himself up slightly into this MVP conversation. I'm telling you, would not surprise me at all to see him be number two or number three in MVP voting. He is. So just to, like you said, you don't remember what I said. I said Blabber as well last week. Um, but to your point about Insanity, I do I do believe that his chances have gone up after the past week. I think they would have been a lot, I would have taken it a lot more serious if it weren't for the Sedge game. Like, yes, I know he's only playing Sed- Sedgewani, but it still wasn't that great of a performance on the Sedge. Um, so that kind of hurts him. The other thing too is, I think that you could also push Gory into the conversation. To me, I didn't think Gory was that far behind either. But I, I just don't have anybody passing Blabber at the moment. Um, but I would say that going into last week, I could see one really solid, like a, a solid week out of Insanity or Gory, um, maybe pushing it towards them over Blabber, which I think is, I feel like not a lot of people will agree with that. I think that's, is that a hot take? I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to say, but I mean, I would kind of agree that if Blabber has another bad week and... I guess bad yeah, week. Yeah, it might also require Blabber to have a rough week. You're right about that. Oh, well, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I thought that's what you were saying, that, you know, Blabber has a bad week and then Insanity and or Gory has a good week. Because I, I think that's probably the only world that somebody else is now winning MVP. It feels difficult to have Rich or JoJo surpass Blabber after I don't think anybody thought that they were above Blabber in the first place. So now we're now one week removed from bad performances from all three of them, Jojo and Rich being the worst of those, that the only really way for somebody to catch them would be Blabber needs to have a horrible week and the likes of Insanity, Gory, River, somebody in that sort of tier two vault themselves up. But I I think it's going to be Blabber. I think it's worth mentioning that even though you and I said Blabber last week, I think a lot of people, maybe even the majority of people last week might have even said Jojo over Blabber. Hard to look back a week, you know, it's hard to rewind like that. But I feel like the community sentiment was more leaning towards JoJo. I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Um, anyway, but I, I, yeah, I do think this past week helped Blabber a little bit. And one week left, so we'll have to wait and see. No, Plus, Nobody else to me that's standing out that, like, I would throw in there. One other thing that I, I kind of talked about a little bit. You know, when, when it comes to recency bias, I know I think the majority of people try, I say the majority of people, the people who are doing the MVP voting, which are the Riot employees and the third party media, I feel like they try to not take recency bias into account, but more often than not, it does happen. It so does. considering that JoJo and Rich are not ending the splits on high notes, at least from the last two to two weeks. I think that will play a factor, even though it necessarily shouldn't, because JoJo and Rich were 1v9ing their respective teams for the first half of the round robin. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think I agree. Um, nothing else on the MVP discussion for me, anyways. I think it's interesting that it's close. I'll say that. Yeah. I know, I remember in our last episode, we did previously talk a little bit about, you know, what the definition of MVP is, and I'm bringing this up because the little Wapoy in the chat is saying... 
in my opinion, MVP should be given to the player that makes the whole team click and successful. And I think insanity falls more into that category. I agree with that. And I think it's begs the question of how you want to grade MVP. Is it the best player on the best team or is it the most valuable player to their team? But one thing that I will say to sort of use your argument against you a little bit here when talking about Blabber is what happens if you take Blabber off of the current version of Cloud9? Like, what does that look like? Because that's a very good question. Blabber is by far and away the best performing player on this team right now. And I think his levels. Sure. Yeah, yeah, sorry, this split. I think I said year. Yeah, this split. Because I do not think that Berserker, I still have high opinions of Berserker. I don't think he's playing as bad as everybody seems to say, or I guess not as good. But yeah. Budge and MS are struggling. They are not playing as well as they were. Zven isn't necessarily having the same impact. And I don't know how much of that has to do with, you know, ranged enchanters versus melee tank supports. But you take Blabber off of this version of Cloud9 with all the other players performing at their current level. I don't know. Like, this team is not a first place team for damn sure. They might not even be a top three team. I agree with you. And the other thing that I'll add on to that is I've always said for me, the MVP is just the best player in the league. Who's the best player in the league? That's, that's who I vote for MVP. And I think being able to make your team click or being valuable to your team is a component of being the best player in the league. Like that, that to me is not the end all and be all like, oh, this team sucks without him. So he's MVP. I feel like that to me is a little bit short sighted. I know a lot of people like that way. That's just not the way I like MVP to me. I think the reason the MVP exists is to say, who's the best damn player in the league. I don't think the award would exist if it was like, Hey, who would really suck without their, that that's just not the way I think the, uh, the award is meant to be. But, um, I, uh, I know that that's been a long time debate between people. I have no problem if people um, think that it should be the who's most valuable to their team. It's just not my, uh, it's not the way I look at MVP. I think that's, a I, I agree with your statement that it plays a part into it. It's not the end all yeah. be all, but it's a component, but I wouldn't, I, I don't know. So I don't want to twist your words here, but you said two times best player on the best team. Do you mean purely the number one team or would you say like, I didn't say the best player on the best team, or at least if I did, I didn't mean that. I just mean, who's the best player period. Okay. Done. Well, you said that best once. Player so in the league. I oh, just, I just wanted I to, to say that I would say, you know, I would say the best player on one of the best teams. That's just cause I didn't I don't know care if... if you're, I don't care if you're on the 10th place team. If I think you're the best player in the league or you're having the best performance, Obviously, it's really difficult to make that happen. But if you're on the tenth best team, and I think you're having you're you're the best player in the league, I'm voting for you for MVP. It's that simple. Yeah, and I I will also I don't mean to keep I don't want to keep telling everybody in chat that like I'm not agreeing with their take and whatnot, and that I don't think Insanity deserves to be in the running whatsoever. I think he does, and I think he's probably number two or number three in MVP race right now. But I think it can be fairly obvious to point out a player and their impact on a team when this is the first split that we've seen them on that team. Blabber has been a part of cloud nine for like four years now. So we're kind of already at the expectation that this guy is going to be the best jungler in the league. And this guy is going to make a lot of plays happening. And I think when we've seen that over like a three, four year period of time, you can kind of forget how important that player actually is to that team. And I will also say that MVP who whoever adds the most wins to their team moyo said that in the chat i think that's a very good metric of actually looking at it but i think it can be a lot easier to judge when you're looking at tsm who is a perceived bad team that is now a mid-tier team as opposed to cloud nine who's a top tier team who could be a mid-tier team without blabber so 
it, it's a very nuanced conversation. I think this split specifically, there is no necessarily huge front runner that is going to win it by a clear margin because there are different situations around the league that fit the MVP discussion, the MV, MVP race differently. So I think this, this feels like one of the most recent splits where there is a genuine MVP race and more than two people can win it at this point still. Yep. Agreed. With that, should we shift over to the predictions? The final week. I'm still I'm still stinking it up. I've just accepted that this whole season is just an L and I haven't counted the I don't know did I gain more ground this week? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh baby. <laughs> I'll put them on the screen now. Um my record is thirty six and thirty nine. So I'm Another game under 500, and Blue Jay is 42 and 33. Basically, wow. every the majority of the swing games that we've been voting or that we've been picking over the last three weeks have pretty much all gone Blue Jay's way. And I'm not I'm not saying that that's the reason why I'm losing because look at my I'm I'm picking a shit record here. Like this is terrible. <laughs> like I'm getting a lot of these predictions wrong, but some of those a lot of those swing games I'm just getting wrong as well. So. This week, your only job, JNT, is to try to salvage a 500 record. You just got to gain three games. You're no longer trying to catch me. I mean, by all means, if you want to catch me and pick everything different from me, knock yourself out. It's funny. I think you should aim for 500. That's what I would do. Well, the funny thing is, is I haven't been trying to catch up. I've been, like, genuinely trying to predict who I think is going to win, but I'm just <laughs> wrong more than half the time, so. Okay, let's do this. Uh, Immor- first game, Immortals and Evil Geniuses, EG. EG. They're going to break the lost streak there, hopefully. Then Golden Guardians and Team Liquid. Golden Guardians. I got confused for a second because when you said lost streak, I was like, wait, Immortals already broke the lost streak, but now it's the EG lost streak that EG's they need to break. EG's got the lost streak now, yeah. yeah. Um, Golden Guardians for the next one. Okay, we both got Golden Guardians. Then we got FlyQuest and TSM. <sighs> I can't believe in FlyQuest. Like, I want to believe. I would love to see Reggie's team go 0-3 now, but I can't. I'm going to go TSM. I am going TSM as well. NRG Cloud9. Cloud9 for me. Yeah. You don't want to help me out here? I don't have the guts. I don't have the guts to go. Like, even... everything we know tells us that You're wearing NRG the Cloud9 jersey. Cloud9. You, can't, you can't pick against them now that you were in the jersey today. Yeah, that's, that's good defense. I should have thought of that. Yeah, that's why. Cloud9. Um, Dignitas, hundred thieves, hundred thieves. thieves. This is double can't have no tummy aches for this game. He's got to show up because he's got to beat. Like you got to win through bot lane. That's yeah. what Dignitas. They lose bot lane every goddamn time. This is a time no tummy aches. Get some uh, what's the pink stuff? Pepto Bismol or whatever. Yeah. And uh, hundred thieves takes the W there. Then we got FlyQuest and Immortals. The first game on Thursday. I am going FlyQuest. They're gonna beat Immortals and not finish tenth. So I'm going to pick FlyQuest as well, but, you know, should they, the lo- should they lose this game basically eliminates, you know, Immortals from making playoffs. This is the battle for 10th place. Can't yeah. miss this one, guys. Uh, TSM versus Cloud9. I'm Cloud going to go Cloud9. Yeah. Uh, 100 Thieves and NRG. I got a feeling this one will be different. I'm going NRG. 100 Thieves. <laughs> okay. You picked them a lot this play. Maybe that's why your record ain't so good. 
I mean, that's definitely part of it. FlyQuest is also probably part of it because I remained to have faith in them for quite a long time and that didn't pay off. Okay, and I got energy. I'm sticking with it with 100 Thieves. I got energy, you got 100, then we got EG and Team Liquid. I'm going to go Team Liquid. They're gonna not going to throw. I'm going to go Team Liquid. It would be very Team Liquid to throw that game. It would. It would also it's be... Team Liquid to throw any game, though. Golden Guardians and Dig. Golden Guardians. Golden Guardians. Immortals, NRG is the first game on Friday, and NRG should win that one. NRG. EGTSM. I got TSM. Oh. How low should I put... This is like, how low will EG really fall? That's kind of the question here. I think I'm yeah I'm gonna go TSM also yeah okay and then hundred thieves versus golden guardians golden guardians hundred thieves I'm sticking with them I'm going down oh, with wow. the ship you have faith let me tell you I don't know where you're I don't, finding it I don't know if I have faith per se I think I'm just I don't know I... hmm okay we'll <laughs> sure I won't even I don't ask. I don't I don't know what I have but it it's not faith <laughs> but it's it's not nothing so it's something hey they could do it. Uh, Team Liquid, Dignitas. Uh, Team Liquid. Team Liquid. Cloud Nine over FlyQuest for me. Same. It's funny. It, I feel like they purposely set this game up to be the last game of the split because there could be a situation where Cloud Nine might be playing FlyQuest tiebreaking for first place or whatever. But where we are now versus where we started, this is like pretty hilarious that it could just be first place versus tenth place. Yeah. I noticed they shuffle around the games though, right? Depending on how interesting they are. Um, I think yeah, they sometimes. But the the most interesting game isn't the last game like we thought they would do. Instead, they make it the fourth game. I've noticed. Yeah. Well, the interesting games, at least this week, a lot of them don't even fall on the Friday. They fall on the Wednesday and the Thursday. It's yeah. You know, it's flag. It's a uh, sorry. It's Dignitas versus One Hundred Thieves. Big game for playoff seating. Um, FlyQuest versus Immortals, big game for who's going to be tenth place, and then EG and Team Liquid for potential who's going to be third place. Yeah. A lot of the big games this week don't necessarily fall on the Friday. If for anything, if they were going to flex the schedule, I feel like do that for Friday. Switch some of these games, put them on Friday. Okay, let's do quick news and let's finish the episode. Yeah, not as not as much quick news as we previously had. Uh huh. The last couple of days, but uh, first off, actually, I don't even know. I, I was debating whether or not I should bring we should bring this up in the One Hundred Thieves topic, but there was a rumor that LCS EV talked about on Twitter during this past week of LCS. I believe it was after the second game of the week, but I can't exactly remember. But there was a rumor that One Hundred Thieves were looking to sign Biofrost, the Which classic lift lane partner. True. The the Hundred Thieves GM immediately replied saying like this isn't true. However, it I feel like people are struggling with it because it's like he said that he had like multiple good sources telling him this, and also it does match the double lift playbook like you were mentioning. Like yeah. this has happened before where things aren't going well and double lift goes right back to Biofrost. So it kind of, it's interesting, right? 
And I'm not saying it's true. I'm not saying it's not true. I'm saying it's really interesting. And we don't really know who, who to believe necessarily because obviously the GM doesn't want Busio. Like, let's say it is true that he was... Obviously, you don't want Busio hearing this. So the GM did the right thing instantly saying, this is not true. Like, you know, you don't want your support finding out that he, he might be replaced over Twitter if that's happening. It's just quite funny that... At the beginning, or I guess not at the beginning. I mean, I guess it was kind of the beginning of the year. The rookies of Tenacity and Busio were hyped up, you know, fairly, you know, they were hyped up a lot for good reason, I think. And after one split, Tenacity's gone. And then there's already rumors now of potentially Biofrost coming in to replace Busio. So has anyone thought of just asking Doublelift, the guy that literally can never keep his mouth shut. Like, the, this guy literally talked during a walkout and said, yeah, if the season's going to be canceled, I'd rather just play it and screw the, screw the walkout. Like, maybe I we have the source to go to. Just ask the guy who spills more beans than next time know, someone he's, who spills uh, a lot of beans. <laughs> next time he's streaming, I just gotta, we just got to drop in the chat. Yeah. Maybe he'll that, answer. I feel like this is the perfect place. To get the, I mean, I'm I'm only half kidding here. It's kind of tongue in cheek, but like Doublelift didn't exactly know known for keeping his mouth shut. Just saying. Yeah. Uh. Next up, a pretty big drama actually came out today, where Fanatics, uh, EMEA team, which is like their their sort of academy team, their eighty carry reptile, got kicked due to a name of one of his Smurf accounts, which let's just say it was the name of a former German dictator. I think everybody yep. knows what I'm talking about here. Not a good look no matter where you are, but probably even worse being in Europe. Yeah, this is true. Not good. Yeah. And uh, it's such like a, you look at this and you're like, of course, this would happen to a League of Legends player, you know? Well, one thing that was important is when I first found this out, uh, a lot of people were sort of coming to his defense, both on Twitter and Reddit, you know, and you know, it seems like over the next, the last sort of couple of hours, a lot of the information that seems to have been gathered more points towards that this guy's actually at fault for naming the account, because apparently his his reasoning, the his statement that he posted on Twitter I think it was five hours after the incident happened because he apparently logged into this account on stream on, on like his own personal stream. And he came mm -hmm. up with a statement five hours later, basically saying that this is an account that, you know, I've shared with multiple people. So multiple people have access to this account and I haven't used it in X amount of time. And somebody changed the name two months ago. But, you know, League of Legends Reddit has basically done some digging to where, oh, this guy actually has been playing on this account, you know, within that two month time span that he's referring to. And I just thought it was really funny because in this Reddit post where they're debunking basically the fact that, oh, this guy actually has been playing on the account and knows about the name is they were looking at his rune and his rune choices on Aphelios oh my God, and being man. like, <laughs> yeah, it's this guy because he takes all these runes on his main account and takes the exact same ones on this account. So I just thought that was funny. Like the the damning piece of evidence in this case against him was the fact that he takes the same runes on Aphelios from account to account. That is some good detective work, I have to say. To whoever went and started looking up, like, this is someone that, like, should be paid for this good of detective work. This is some Sherlock shit right here. Not bad. 
It's just so funny. Like I'm just I just clicked on the Reddit post once again and I'm just reading through it. It's so funny. Does a guy deserve this is an honest question. Does a guy deserve to be kicked from a team for having a stupid IGN? Sorry, say that again. Does a guy deserve to be kicked from a team for having a really stupid IGN? Well, yes. Like with it's the, just about as bad as it could get. Like with the name that he a, had. I, yeah, I was like, gonna say maybe I shouldn't even just say a bad IGN or a stupid IGN. Like this is really, really stupid. I mean, it's it's just one of those things that you should never even touch as like a company brand, whatever. Because it's 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 not even just the damage that he's doing to his like personal, you know, stock as a player, as a as a person that teams might want to invest in and sign out a contract. It's the rest of the organization he's under the fanatic brand and the fanatic banner and i think the thing that i was i forget whose response i was reading on twitter to this but it was somebody notable i forget who it was but they were basically just outlining the fact that fanatic in no the the effort that fanatic would have to go through to clear his name clear up any wrongdoings ensure that everything is fine with various team partners and team sponsors is just simply not worth him, the the player just being on the team, he yeah. is not he is not more valuable than having to do all this damage control within the organization when it comes to people who work there, companies you're partnered with, sponsors and whatnot. It's also important to set a precedent that like this ain't cool. So there's that as well. Like you don't want any anybody else thinking of making a stupid ass name like that in the future, or even joking about about anything like that. Someone like Hitler, like yeah, not cool. It was a not cool at all. it was veteran actually. He was the guy who's read. Mm. I was reading about it. So yeah, probably deserved, and uh, hopefully he learns his lesson. But uh, yep, yeah. League of Legends doing League of Legends player doing something stupid. Not the first time, not the last. And uh, next up, a bit of a follow up to our discussion about Faker and his unfortunate injuries that he sustained over the course of the past weeks. There apparently. Information has come out that Faker apparently has insurance on his hands and that that valuation is somewhere around $800,000. So Faker's hands, those are some moneymakers right there. I have to say, I think Faker's hands are worth way more than eight hundred k. Just saying. Probably. Smart. Dude's won smart three whoever world championships. Put the, who, whoever insured his, his right hand, that's a five-head play right there. Well, I think within that article that, you know, that information was even found out, it was like in 2020, T1 set up all of this, like these insurance policies with all their players when it comes to injuries and whatnot. So that stretches credit to T1 as an org for thinking about this and getting this set like three, four years ago for this I exact situation. I should have done this. I, I wish I insured my, my wrists. Yeah, that would be huge. Probably not as worth if as much as Faker though, but... Well, yeah, debatable. <laughs> uh, if you had to insure a body part, JNT, what are you insuring? For my body? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> what do I even got of, like, value? I don't know. My, I'm a smart guy, maybe. We'll go with that. My brain. brain. Yeah. I'm going to insure my face. Got to keep the money maker, you know? I, I'll go with my eyes, actually. <laughs> my mom always tells me that green eyes are very uncommon. Mm-hmm. Having green eyes have, is a good thing. You have very beautiful eyes, JNT. I I think you should insure those also. Thank you. Okay, what <laughs> what else we got on quick news? Uh, last up, um, apparently Scout, former EDG mid laner, won worlds with the team at in season eleven, 
is being sued by EDG for something contractually going on with the contract that he was offered after the world championship uh, and before he decided to go play for a different team. What team is he even on now? He's on... Uh, I should know this, but I don't. He's on LNG right now. He uh, he replaced Doinby after this past year. Hmm. Okay, he, what I didn't get about this was they're suing him, the player, when he was trying to sign on other teams. Shouldn't they be suing the other teams as well? Or was that a part that I missed? I like, just, I mean, I'm... Poaching or something, right? Isn't there like poaching rules and stuff like that? Yeah, the, the only thing that I, I mean, I, I don't have all the info for this, and I think the majority of it is on like Chinese websites, so a lot of it's translated. So I don't know mm. how much out there is, you know, publicly available for like, you know, English um, reading and writing and whatnot. So, but from what I understand from reading a few of the translations, it was, I think, more him breaking something in regards to his contract on EEG for talking to other teams. It was something in regards to that, like he contractually was not allowed to, or there were some big restrictions on that because after they won worlds, he apparently, or again, I don't have the full story here, so don't shoot the messenger, but I think he was trying to negotiate with other teams while still under contract for EDG. Yeah. But once again, a hundred percent sure. But you know what I mean, right? Like, I feel like there should be some discussion around poaching or whatever when it comes to this stuff. Because if he's already signed by a team, you shouldn't be able to sign with another. Like, that other team that signs you the second time should be doing their due diligence and know, like, hey, this guy's still on contract. Like, I could go and look at the contracts right now on the contract database. Like, I would do that. Yeah. Right? I, I, so. I'm just guessing that the, the, the fault is maybe on Scout because he was actively pursuing those as opposed to a team approaching him. So... Yeah, that yeah, that could be the case. Interesting though. Interesting. Yeah. Uh anything else? That's it. That is it. Okay, cool. All right, we got one more week, guys. One more week. Uh but then playoffs happen right after. There's no like week off or anything like that, is there? I don't believe so. I freaking hope not. I agree. I hope it we just get right into it. Yeah. Anyway, one more week of LCS. Hope you guys enjoy it. Hope you guys continue to come back uh, and listen to these episodes. We appreciate you guys for it. Uh, just another reminder to hit the like button, subscribe if you're enjoying the content. Remember to do that. Leave a comment. And uh, yeah, we uh, will see you guys next week. This has been episode 133 of the Comcast podcast.